Welcome to Happy Times and Places, a podcast of love, a podcast of hope. Not really, it's a podcast in which I, Toby Haydock, have asked a friend, not you, Bob, to choose their five favourite things about an episode of Doctor Who. I don't know what they are, so I have to guess as I watch the story and commentate along. Hi, Toby. Thank you for asking me to uh, ask you to watch a Doctor Who story. My name's Mark Campbell. I'm the author of uh, Doctor Who, the uh, complete guide. Um, whoops, just dropped it on the floor there. Um, it's been various uh, various editions on Amazon and the reviews. Um, quite useful, actually. And uh, a joke on the unsuspecting buyers. Yeah, so... Um, Fear Her is uh, one of those stories that I didn't realise until quite recently is rather unloved, surrounded as it is by some pretty big epic two-part stories. But uh, have a look at it, and um, at the end of the story I'll give you five reasons uh, why I think it's good, and uh, see if you agree with me. Uh, What the hell? Well, welcome to Happy Times and Places. Uh, I'm very grateful to Mark. I'm so sorry to Mark because I asked people to provide an audio and or a video. Most people have provided videos, especially because, you know, when I sent the missives out, certainly initially, um, you know, I was very much bringing these out on YouTube as well as podcasts. I still one day will do the YouTubes. Um, Maybe that's something I can do in my retirement or... I'll work out a system because uh, Mark's video was lovely there. He did it on the street in the lovely sunshine. And then at the end, he was chased by a scribble monster. I mean, the effort that people have gone to for this, which you currently are not able to see. But I hope I I have conjured enough to uh, make Mark's effort have paid off that not only, you know, did he plug his book, which, by the way, um, I knew first as when it was the pocket essential of Doctor Who that Mark also wrote. But it's, it's come out in various different guises and it's basically the basics of Doctor Who with little reviews and I was there weren't many of those sorts of things around and I did a lot of traveling at that time and it was lovely to have a little book that I could sort of flick through and agree with and disagree with I mean it doesn't like Ghostlight so you know Mark Campbell um but and he does like some but that's the joy of reading those things isn't it and he's uh, uh and his stuff is always well argued and interesting and somebody's opinion is their opinion um and, and I, I mean I think I mostly agreed I can't remember now but I I just remember him being wrong with Ghostlight, but I can understand. Actually, I can understand the uh, the uh, reservation some might have about that story because you know you are you are sympathetic to the flaws in stories you naturally incline towards, and you get really really cross with the flaws in stories that don't quite float your boat. So you know, um, I I overlook the flaws of Ghostlight because it. Uh, it, it it is very much to my taste aesthetically and in terms of its themes and all of that. Um, that that perhaps if another story that I was quite you know that did that didn't quite uh, speak to me in the same way, I would uh, I would allow exactly the same flaws to um, to be my uh, weapons to to sink it with. Anyway, why am I talking about Ghostlight when that is not the story that Mark has chosen? Because he has chosen a story that he likes. Uh, and he has chosen Fear Her, which I think is very interesting because it's a story that not many re- people talk about. Do they, Chloe Webber? Um, so, and it's, I have to say, you know, it's not a story that I go back to very often. Probably, I would say, the story of this se- season that I 
I go back to the least. But I, I didn't I didn't not enjoy it at the time. And I remember particularly actually enjoying the episode of Doctor Who Confidential, which I seem to recall showed clips from an unearthly child and stuff like that, and seemed to seem to reach back a little bit. But anyway, let us. Uh, I've got a, I've got forty four minutes to speak through. So why don't we? Uh, see what there is to offer this story that is a little bit uh, sort of lesser known to me but that's no reason to dislike something and I I always feel that the stories that aren't whiz bangers um, you know are sort of punching above their weight sometimes and have charms all their own and I'm inclined to I'm inclined to you know, look benignly upon a story that doesn't have Dalek battle cruisers and uh, great, you know, emotional departures or anything uh, to to help you know, to help them along. This is, uh, you know, a one-off set of characters with a one-off menace, and oh, and yes, um, animated scribbles. I mean, how exciting! How different! Ha- have no fear. Let's press play uh, in three, two, one. Um, so it's an unusual opening, of course, because our, an, uh, the, of course, London 2012. This was when that was in the future. I mean, it's now, as I record this, it's 11 years in the past. And I remember the uh, the Olympics, of course, being a, a, what a wonderful thing. It felt so great to be part of something. And I'm not a sporty person at all, but it so, felt so great to be part of something. And, and the country seemed like... It had a certain sort of unity about it and everything. I know there's, there's elements of sort of j- jingoism, in, if you like, in that op- opening Olympic ceremony. But it was kind of supposed to be. It's supposed to, you know, be a unification of, of, of all the things that are that, that we like in this country of ours. There's nothing wrong with liking where you're from. That doesn't mean you can't also get cross with it for its flaws. But uh, there's nothing wrong with feeling... Uh, safe and enjoying the things that are familiar and the trappings of your the 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 the, the sort of place that you grew up in and are from um patriotism can be dangerous sure but it uh it you know it it can also be something that gives you security and a feeling of identity and all of those things like anything it's uh you know it's uh, things are only bad if they're handled badly or used badly that was a very good shot of chloe weber up in the uh up in the uh, uh, window there, um, and I'm I'm kind of liking this the, the the filming of this, which is making a suburban street actually look a bit scary. Mark was filming his bit in a suburban street street not unlike this. Um, this is Edna Dore, uh, who was uh, famous for being a bit of a battle axe in EastEnders, but she's also seemed to recall her giving a performance, I think, in EastEnders, but also in something else as somebody with Alzheimer's or with dementia. Um, and doing it very well, but she also crops up in Tenko. And this, um, uh, oh, and of course the the very uh, distinctive Union Jack T-shirt on the kid, and now he's gone. I mean, that's really that's really effective. And this is all on a s- sort of identifiable suburban street. Nina Sosanya there, who I think is a wonderful actress. And that is really unusual. You've never seen anything like that in Doctor Who. I love that opening because... Um, I mean, you don't see animation within Doctor Who, really. It's not it kind of, it seems to me to be, it's a, it's a totally recognisable thing, a, a, a moving animated picture. And you, you know how to do it, you know, with the with the flicking of the paper and all of that sort of thing. And, and animation of that kind is sort of not unusual in sort of kids' programmes when I was growing up. That it was, and, and yet to see it in Doctor Who is, is sort of strangely incongruous. It's strangely, it's, it's a recognisable thing, but in the, 
in the circumstances it is in, it seems sort of odd and yet right. It's uh, uh, I I did enjoy that pre-title sequence. I, I I thought that was spooky. And now this is of course wonderful. Uh, <laughs> the parking the wrong way. I mean that may well be one of my favourite things. And the pre-titles maybe as well. I like the moving, and that's very good. But we've got the uh, the moving train there as well. That's that's a really well rendered shot for just for the sort of opening the effort that's got into that to make that sort of witty and fun and 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 to have you know some technical skill on show subtle technical skill on show now Shane Ward's greatest hits um I did have the pleasure of meeting Shane Ward at some showbiz do um well he was in the cast of Coronation Street so I I you know I wasn't just some rando um he he was he was there and i think i must have checked with shes and said you mind if i say hello to shane ward uh, but i was you know i was there with the cast and you, you know you know if you're there with your your partner um this was before i was in it um uh you know you are allowed to talk to people and it not be weird you're just talking to your, friend, your your partner's workmates so oh and i knew i knew somebody else in the cast quite well so we we were chatting away uh, and then we got talking to shane ward and I think, did I post a picture up? And somebody like Steve O'Brien or Clayton Hickman, one of those cheeky scamps, said, why don't you ask him about being in fear? So I did. So I did. The drinks are flowing. I said, did you know that you had a Greatest Hits poster in an episode of Doc 2? They went, oh, yeah, I remember that. That was really good. I was really pleased. Because, uh, and so I, I got a quote from, Sh- a fairly anodyne quote uh, from Shane Ward about being in fear. Her. So, you know, I, I go to the places for Doctor Who interviews that perhaps other people don't go and is that the most obscure um, because he, obviously he's quite famous but uh, his his connection to talk to who is quite obscure i love tenants kind of you know running off and investigating and i love this sort of because he's got quite big fingers and he he does that doesn't he when he licks things and when he he almost has it that the doctor's senses are perhaps slightly more acute than ours but they're kind of slightly weird and alien as well uh and it's just a slightly subtle thing that his doctor has this kind of um extrasensory stuff um which you know which is curious and slightly alien uh and it's not like the you know the vulcan mind meld or anything anything too spocky because it doesn't doesn't solve anything but it might just give him a a flavor of something that helps to underline the mystery or, or just move the adventure along or just add to the atmosphere i like abdul salis he's he's gone on to be he was a regular in casualty wasn't he and he's he's in love actually uh which may have been before this i don't know um but i i do quite like his running joke of it being i work for the council and this is a council spade and my council gloves and my council hat uh i mean it's a it's a it's a sort of simple you know fairly straightforward character note slash gag but Sometimes that's all you need to make you enjoy a character every time you see them. And he plays the part well, and it's a nice joke. This guy, Tim Faraday, I remember him cropping up in an episode of The Bill, uh, thinking, I know this guy. And he was in a running storyline, I think, set in a prison where somebody was undercover. And it turns out I didn't know him, and I didn't recognise the name, but he's got one of those faces where he looks like he should play sort of quite a lot of, you know, Cockney ne'er-do-well types, although I have seen him play other sorts of parts since. Uh, and he popped up in Prime- Primeval, didn't he, as a as a... As some sort of clone soldier so he's he's had some good work um i think he's a friend of lisa barrowman's um but he's got a good face for the sorts of parts that he plays and he's sort of one of those actors that you think you've seen around a lot 
Um, I like Edna Dore. I was quite pleased to see her popping up in Doctor Who. She died not long after. Uh, not long after this. Um, actually, a reasonable amount of time. After three or, three or four years, I think. Because um, I remember she was in one of my first ever In Memoriam videos. Um, and... Uh, you know, nice to no, nice to nice to see her st still go strong. She's one of those actors that always looked kind of the same age because she looks kind of the same age in uh, in uh, in in Tenko. But she, by this point, she was better known for playing sort of battle axes. I think because she was pretty unpleasant in EastEnders. So it's nice to see her playing the sort of um, sensitive, sort of elder matriarch of the close, if you like. Uh, and, it's, and she's sort of quite gentle, and uh, I, li I like. Uh, I, I I do like this bit, isn't it? It's when he, and he it's when he makes everybody put their fingers on their lips. Um, but I, I I like it when a when a drama shows. I'm I'm always a bit scared of mob rule and of and of gossip escalating and finger pointing, which which is very much you know with the uh, with the rise in social media kind of how we we conduct ourselves these days where you know finger pointing gains momentum and uh, uh and and suddenly people are you know good goody proctor's been seen playing out in the fields uh, i've had to cancel my kids a couple of times go just don't be careful about be careful about um you know, latching onto something somebody said about somebody in the public eye, and and just assuming it's true, and you can, you know, you can condemn them for it, because because often, uh, that's a great shot. It's Eros Lynn, is it directing this? Uh, and it's you don't because because he gets some of the, the the major episodes because he's a really really good director. So even though this is a hugely flawed episode, when you're looking at it, you go, but there's so much of this that is really really well done. I love that shot from the window with with chloe weber's hand and, and then i like the shot up where she's sort of um silhouetted in the window and you have a scary kid is always a, a potentially uh fascinating part of a drama but i love that fingers on the lips thing where the the doctor is kind of and they all uh, and they all sort of respond to the innate authority which the character kind of needs and russell t davis is very clever because he turns that against the doctor in midnight so he's he's aware that it, you, it can be interpreted as the doctor being a bit of a bossy smug boots but sometimes it's very helpful for the drama and for the character for the doctor to be able to just go look i have this innate authority and intelligence that people will react to because otherwise we have you know we spend three hours with people going well have you got any documentation to prove who you are and why should we listen to you we've never met you before and the drama needs you to get over that and sometimes you can do you know the psychic paper helps with that uh if he's getting into an official establishment but actually in this circumstance it just needs to be his you know his innate his that that vibe that he gives off that he that he knows what he's talking about and that he knows what he's doing um now this the the actress playing chloe weber i i remember there was stuff in the i think in the um what's it called, the Doctor Who Confidential, saying how they'd, they'd done a bit of a search for her, hadn't they? And then they, they'd gone to a local drama group. She wasn't she wasn't a sort of child actor with an agent and all of that sort of thing. Um, and I'm not sure she's done anything since. Uh, but I, I actually, I, I find her quite disarming because she's the slightly sort of odd kid. She's Because she's not sort of stage schooly, I actually find that performance slightly more interesting and um, 
sort of more believable because kids do say things in slightly sort of off not acted ways if you like um and i'm not meaning to sound like i'm criticizing her because i because i don't think i am but i know some people don't like her performance but i i kind of think it works i think she's got a a slight sort of off kilter aspect to her that a more that a slicker performance might not have not have helped a more you know a more sort of rehearsed and technical performance if you like might not have helped um there is something I, I I sort of interrupted myself when 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 Tennant sort of runs off and leaves Rose at the beginning. I I I I do like the fact that he just sort of leaps into the adventure uh, and in his away, and that's that's great for the sort of speed of the storytelling that Doctor Who needs nowadays, and and it kind of speaks to the character of the Doctor as well. Um, the cat's just the cat just gone. The cat's just gone. I mean, I think that's lovely. It's so simple that. You know, again, for all the bells and whistles of a Doctor Who story, we have we just have people going missing, or a cat going into a box and going missing. Uh, uh, it looks, and it's actually quite refreshing to have a sort of a story set in the sun. Makes it a lot harder, you know, if it was if it was early evening and dark and the atmosphere closing in. But uh, but to do some of these stories, I, I Aristotle directs Idiot's Lantern as well, doesn't he? Which uh, where he has to rely on sort of abstract camera angles and um, the sort of period setting to do the menace because a lot of it takes place in in daylight. But I think this this idea of sort of kids' drawings, sort of capturing the souls of missing children, is quite a you know, it's quite a it's quite a scary idea. I don't I, I don't think. Look, I know I'm accentuating the positive, but look, I like look at the way that that camera's on a slight tilt. I think that just I mean Lenny Mainter similar in the in the quarry and the three doctors, but but this it it does seem slightly sort of filmic. There's a nice wide lens there, and uh, and it just it just is a way of because these are all very familiar settings and again that makes it harder to tell this as a doctor who story that it just kind of mixes things up a bit and plays with uh, plays with your visuals and that's quite scary that bang uh you know there's that the, it, it doesn't have bells and whistles to, to rely on this story and i wonder if that's one of the reasons it's less no because yes i i i have i i i know my my brief here is to accentuate the positive, but uh, you know, I, 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 and I will be be trying hard. But this is this is not to me an obvious story to celebrate. It is it is it is you know definitely one of the 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 the, the weaker stories for me. Um, but even so, I'm actually thoroughly enjoying this, and there's 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 much to enjoy in it. And that's I mean I have to say that's true of this this era even the stories that are weaker to me are still stories that i would consider to be very high quality the the bar is so high that you know a weak a weak story is still you know a seven out of ten um in in this era this is a, this is a great era of doctor who um every doctor who story was an event and i suppose what they're hanging this on is the is the olympics i always i i do think there's a tendency sometimes with modern Doctor Who, or with Russell T. Davis Doctor Who, maybe to take a, a thing of the day uh, and be quite excited by it, be it J.K. Rowling in uh, the Shakespeare Code or or the Olympics 2012 in this, and and that kind of ages f sort of fairly quickly. Um, 
you know, Dame Kelly Holmes close. I mean, although she's she's emerged back recently as a as a, as a figure of interest, but I remember at the time feeling because I I didn't know who she was until she won that Olympic gold, and then she was a dame, and it was like, gosh, she's done an awful lot in a very small space of time. Um, and that spoke to me of the times of I thought it used to be you you got sort of damned if you'd you know had a long series, a, a cumulative sort of effect, rather than well, you've won a medal you get an honour it seemed to me well surely the prize you got was the the medal and uh and, and now it's you know when when actors get an oscar nomination they usually get an obe or an mbe or something and you think well i thought the oscar nomination was the prize and it, in the old days actors who got obe's were people like richard pascoe and uh uh and uh david haig and uh, marius goring although marius goring i think got a, a CB from the Conservative government because he had a slightly dodgy stance uh, regarding South Africa. But let's not anyway. But my, my point is, um, it, it all... I, th I think the fact it's Dame Kelly Holmes close, not to take anything away from her achievement in the Olympics, but it seemed like... It's, it's when reality shows book somebody, you think, oh, that's an interesting guest. And then you go, oh, no, except they did that reality show in America. So the, the British version is just not using their imagination. Um, and And... And I and I suppose it, it I suppose it just seemed a little, I don't know, parochial in a in a sense that you this is very much of this moment. But I can't see some of these things having the same resonance in ten years' time. Although actually, having this having this with the Olympics in the future now makes it actually quite a a, a period piece and isn't as limiting as maybe I'd I'd taken it to be at the time i think I, I i wonder if i just wonder if i think oh no because i like it when doctor who reflects the themes of the time but i think when it when it reflects the cultural references of the time it, it seems to me it maybe narrows its scope a little bit but that might just be um me always being happier in the past and in the future and being uneasy about references to the present which i see sort of um, degrading something a little bit which which I think might well be something to do with the, the way I approach the world and not necessarily fault of the storytelling but it was certainly a thing that seemed to me at the time to be going that you know this this is very much focusing on something that's that's in the news now but how and of course that's what that's what a program should be a program shouldn't be worrying about what viewers in 25 years will make of it it should be how this resonates with the people watching it for when it's made so i'm full of rubbish <laughs> i've just talked myself out of my own uh, out of my own poor theorizing um it's so easy to take for granted how good billy piper is and how good david tennant are and how well drawn these characters are that uh, you know, Rose goes off and does her thing. We haven't had... I don't think we've had the marmalade bit yet. I love the marmalade bit. Uh, I don't know why, because it's, it's not It's not quite like the Doctor as I imagine the Doctor to be. And yet, I think it's a great choice. It's it's totally unexpected. They do it very well, where she looks at him and goes, no, no don't stick your fingers in marmalade. Um, it's quite surprising, and yet it also works to the alienness of the Doctor. Uh, I, I love the marmalade moment. That might be one of my moments. Um, uh, and of course, the the sort of cuckoo child thing is becoming a. I I started I started writing Doctor Who script as an exercise, really, just to see if I could. And Doctor Who is quite hard to write, and and I inadvertently came up with a sort of 
you know alien child cuckoo type thing it was it was diff- different from this but it you know it, it's it's if 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 a, if such a thing can be a subgenre it was in that subgenre i'm thinking of the the night terrors one as well that uh, uh, mark gatis wrote um which has a, a a similar sort of modern day uh it's slightly more urban setting isn't it it's not quite suburbia like this is um uh but scary kids is 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 when it's pulled off really well it's amongst the most frightening things ever and i don't think doctor who's ever done it as well as um the empty child when of course that you know the augmentation of the child's voice with the faceless um gas mask and the gas mask of course that is reminiscent of you know the real earthly horrors of war uh, is such a gripping combination and that innocent voice coming out that it's 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 hard to beat and this this is not in that league i don't think um but uh but 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 you know you you can see what they're going for and actually the scary the scary monster in the cupboard you know if if stephen moffat had written that we'd be thinking oh yeah because he's uh you know he's 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 doing those things of childhood nightmares where you're asleep in your bed and you can hear things rattling about you think you hear something in your cupboard um but of course it's it it's it hasn't got that feel here because the sun is streaming in through the windows um and it's a slightly different kind of story there's no there's no sort of fairy tale element to this at all it's going for something different and i think that's a brave choice i didn't talk much about the scrib- scribble monster did i i think the scribble monster is great i love the fact that you can rub it out um and again it's an unusual visual and i like the pov shot that it had uh and you know a graphite squiggle becoming a lethal threat to the doctor and the companion is a perfectly perfectly doctor who thing to do so um you know there's a lot going on here that is that is good and that is positive um i guess cuz the stakes seem a little bit small i don't know it may just be the sun um it may just be that it's surrounded by stories that have real bells and whistles and that if i sit down and want to watch a i've said bells and whistles too much in this and i it's not a phrase i say a lot um <laughs> uh, so sorry about that um uh, this is the bit look at that <laughs> don't do that uh <laughs> i i love that um and their relationship is so good. Uh, and he has such a drive and an energy, even when he's sort of leaning against the kitchen with his arms folded. Um, Nina Sosanya as an actress, uh, actress has done lots and lots of good work. I'm almost disappointed that um, she's, she's great in this, but, um, you know, when I heard she was going to be in Doctor Who, I had all sort of imaginings of what, what sort of part she might be playing. Uh and and you know when you're in Doctor Who, you often get the chance to play something that's got a lot of a lot of meat to the bone. Uh, and she's great in this, but um, I'd maybe like to see her come back and play some sort of um, uh, you, you know beastly alien power being of some sort. Uh, just because she's she's really strong performer and and really good. So come back to Doctor Who, Nina Sosanya. Uh, <laughs> that's, 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 that's the spock thing right is that a, is that a thing in this i don't remember that being a thing in this oh yeah okay 
oh, I'd totally forgotten about this. She, I, I quite like the seeing seeing the eyes, uh, seeing the eyes go completely white. That's that's a bit disturbing. Um, I, I, I want Chloe Webber. I mean, it's weird, isn't it? It's kind of got an exorcist vibe, but without the head spinning, spinning and the vomiting and the somewhat potty mouth. Um, but and that's a lovely aerial shot that we have there, and and you can see how how no, nobody's actually doing anything wrong. It's just a bit of a it's just a bit of an odd choice of story to tell but i i cannot condemn it for that because you cannot have alien invasions every week and i think the idea of a benign creature a, a kind creature um just by its very nature causing the threat when actually all it's trying to do is is to live its life I think is is an intriguing use and depiction of alien life in Doctor Who when, you know, largely the aliens are um, scary things that want to kill us all or misunderstood things that we want to kill. Whereas this is this is so so what it, you know, what's the thing they they travel in a pod and they ride the heat and energy and it takes thousands of years for them to grow up um, so they float through space. That's why they're called the Isolus, which is isolated. Um, uh, and so basically it just wants it just wants chums. Uh, and I, and I, I think that's a really fascinating idea. And I think it's a braver story to write. It's Matthew Graham's first Doctor Who, isn't it? To sort of go, well, instead of writing something that's got the living dead or you know things coming out of graves or you know uh, aliens fighting soldiers on the streets he's gone well let's try and have a different kind of alien that can that can create um a, a different sort of threat and i you know it it means it's not quite as gripping as the doctor who stories that are usually told but i think it's really interesting um There is something a bit weird how he keeps go she keeps going, Hello, I'm Chloe Webber. Uh, and the way that she the, the way that she looks at it in this scene is quite is is a bit strange. Um but that's a it's a neat little effect of the the flowery thing and, and I think there's something I think there's actually something quite moving about the idea of the alien creature that is pining for its family. And I'm always drawn to stories about lonely kids. And you know, and there's some quite adult suggestions into the to the nature of Chloe Webber's father slash Trish's Trish's ex, um, which are sort of touched upon. Which I don't think you'd want to go any further anyway, um, but that makes it slightly more sort of adult and slightly more disturbing if you think about it a bit more than what is necessarily blatant. If if you if you like. This, you know, this has the potential to be a bit more disturbing if you if you mull on it afterwards. Um, and I'm I'm always drawn to stories about, you know, about lonely kids having to use their imagination. I mean, that's very Doctor Who. That's very, that's that's very Doctor Who's, um, you know, followers demographic. And I, you know, I'll hold my hand up to that. Um, 
So, so I have a great sympathy for for that element of the storytelling as well. So why why is this one that kind of dropped off my radar? Because so far, I think it's been it's been interesting. It's been odd. It's it, it's not as fast paced probably as a lot of uh, as as a lot of who of this era probably not got quite as many jokes in it building up as well maybe i mean they've they've well actually they have that landing the fingers on lips the, the marmalade um but this is where it all goes a bit strange isn't it i mean i remember being delighted that hugh edwards was in doctor who because any anything that had real life creeping into the show uh seemed to was an, always to me an endorsement if a if a if a real life person lent their ever since kenneth kendall that's a great shot of her at the window i have to say um uh, of, of ever since kenneth kendall in the war machines if a real new life newsreader was in doctor it was like proper serious bbc people were lending their credibility to my silly fantasy show um whereas of course actually if, you know it's if, if somebody says to a serious bbc staff person uh, can you just do a thing and we'll stick it in an episode of doctor Who? they're gonna be over the moon um we've since had you know we've had kirsty walk and uh, and all sorts but but hugh edwards who I, i've always liked as a newsreader he's got he's very you know very, he's, he's he's always had i think an, an innate but gentle authority about him um he's been quite poorly recently hasn't he um uh i uh I, uh, I, I, no, I, li I like Hugh Edwards. So, so hearing him on the show made me delighted. But then when he started to act, I mean, you don't, you don't see him, do you? It's, it's just his voice. But it does lead to one of the great, is this good or is this really bad moments of Doctor Who? When he goes, not you too, Bob, which <laughs> I remember being quite enchanted by at the time. But it has kind of taken on a life of its own. And there is something about it that I, it does skirt on the ridiculous. But I quite like it. And I like the economy of telling the story of the disappearing crowds through the voiceover. Of the, that, that to me is a, it's a little bit Nigel Neal. It's a little bit using the media uh, to... to to tell the story because that opens up the story to the rest of the world because you imagine everybody else watching it on the television and then that suddenly stops it being a suburban story and makes it a, a worldwide story and that ups the stakes and uh, uh, you know sp sp spreads the, uh, uh, the 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 reach of the threat if you like. Um, oh yes, of course, because it's because it's hot, isn't it? That's right. It has to be hot. It has to be hot. Because uh, the Isolus is uh, is be is buried in the street, and that's quite neat plotting as well. Because they've had that you've got Abdul Salis there, and you've got them tarmacking the road, haven't you? Um, <gasps> Doctor Who. Doctor Who's been got. Uh, oh, that's great. And then suddenly, you know, we've we've upped the the pace, and suddenly the the Doctor's vanished. Um, but Rose is so good at taking control, and I, I, I think that's, I, I think that's a great uh, sort of catchphrase for the monster in a way, saying, "I, I, I love Chloe Webber. I want, I want this companionship, and I will do." It's almost like Chloe Webber is the Isolus's imaginary friend, except that she's real. Um, and this actually looked like it was going to be a sort of imaginary friend sort of story, wasn't it? But it's, it, 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 it goes down a different path. But the idea that um, the monster is doing what it wants 
and what it needs to because of its love for a for its its little friend uh is uh i th- i think is very neat and very interesting they travel on heat uh and this is brilliant uh, <laughs> and uh and this is and this is this is quite fun because you set him up as the guy so uh, who is like this so of course here he is talking about the heat of the tarmacking <laughs> put in your big book about tarmacking is a lovely line um yes and and suddenly you go of course heat the tarmacking that's a lovely neat bit of plotting and it's really sad for him because he's just uh <laughs> he's just eulogizing the quality of his tarmacking work i love his council joke i know it's a very straightforward joke but i think it's a good joke and i think he's good he's a really likable actor um i hope he's i remember he was in casualty for a while um and and he's probably in some sort of modern programs that i don't watch but i hope he's doing well because he's a he's got a real likable quality and it's a character that has the potential if not played by a really likable actor to not quite work and be annoying and i i think he does it really nicely and does it really well uh it's not a council spaceship i think that's brilliant that's very doctor who to me uh the council and a spaceship in the same sentence i think is rather a terrific thing but here's a story goes a bit weird doesn't it when it suddenly becomes the olympics now i mean history will tell us this did not happen uh at the london olympics where's james bond where's uh where's my and my uh Um, now Nina Sasanya doesn't quite know what to do there. I I feel is that is that Rose comes in and says, "I've told you not to leave the kid," and she sort of goes, she's sort of going, "Yeah, I know, but the script's made me do it because there's 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 no reason why she's it, it doesn't convince me actually that uh, that uh, she's she's left Chloe Weber at this really important juncture in the story." Uh, and, and I'm not sure anybody involved quite believes it either. But um, that's a great, that's a great economical, I'm sure it was really hard to do, but but to tell the story by having the people disappearing and having poor old Hugh Edwards having to go, not you too, Bob. But, um, and, and now, and, and I love the fact that he's such a professional. He keeps, he keeps broadcasting, even though everybody at the Olympic Stadium has vanished. Um and of course, what we didn't know here is is how amazing that Olympic opening ceremony would be. And uh, I, I know I'm sure there are some people out there who are quite cynical about it. I had a personal stake in it. My stepson was was there. One of the uh, one of the children. They had a deaf choir doing, uh, d- d- you know, all in their all, all in their pajamas and stuff, uh, signing signing a, a song. And so he was there for 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 the. Uh, uh, the rehearsals and it was all a big deal. And I remember I was in the dressing room of the Frog and Bucket with Joe Lysett actually before he was famous, uh, and we watched we watched the Olympic opening ceremony in the dressing room of the Frog and Bucket where I was on that night, uh, and uh, and yeah, and I was like, that's my stepson, and he got and he got uh, he got some decent shots. I'm sure, I'm sure I haven't misremembered that. I'm sure I haven't misremembered that. Uh, because the closing ceremony I watched when I was at the Edinburgh Fringe. Um, so, yes, I'm sure I haven't misremembered that. Um, 
Anyway, that's nothing to do with uh, Doctor Who. And of course, this this has been seeded in quite nicely. You can't have an Olympic story without the Olympic. This is where this is where I think it goes a little bit. It's that all that beacon of love stuff um, is is a little bit cloying, isn't it? I, I can see what they're aiming for, but it's a bit tell not show which 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 may be a piece of Hugh Edwards narration would do if uh he's he's a really um accomplished actor i think he's called S- Stephen Marzella playing the policeman um and he, you don't even see his face and he's done so, loads of really good theater work uh and you know he was listed in the cast when it was um in Doctor Who magazine saying the actors involved, you know, will be, and you think, oh, you know, it could be anything. You could be, you don't know what part that he's playing. And then I, I, I didn't spot him in it. And then read the credits at the end and went, oh my goodness. I mean, they, they barely needed an actor f- for that. Um, and it just goes to show, you know, uh, you know, even even the smaller parts are played by actors of, of, of great, great pedigree. And I, you know, I wonder if he had a thing of going, well, I mean, should I wait till the better part comes along? Um, anyway, uh, goodbye, Chloe Webber. That's that's. So all that you know, the monster loves Chloe Webber. Hugh Edwards thinks it's a torch of love. That this amount of love in a in a in a Doctor Who story seems a little bit. It's I suppose it seems a little bit jarring that it's that it's enunciated in the way that it is. It seems a little, dare I say it, American. Although I think Americans are very good at that sort of lump to the throat stuff, which can sometimes seem cheesy to us. But when they when they when they get it absolutely right, it's it, it can be re, can be really strong. But it, but it's I think it's more enmeshed in their uh, episodic television than ours. We're we're a bit less trustful of. You know, we tend to show our love by people actually not showing their love, and we know that it's unspoken. Um, this is all quite nice when everybody appears. Um, you can see the breath. Yeah, she's cold there, isn't it? Um, shot this first thing, didn't they? Um, and of course, where is Doctor Who? Well, of course, they've. Um, uh, it's a clever policy having that kid in that Union Jack t shirt because it means that he's noticeable at the beginning when he disappears and is in the drawing and when he comes back that's a that's clever um this doesn't quite explain how the 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 monster shuts the door and does all of that but I, the story does need another kind of threat um you know if it was just the isolus it it would be a it, it would be a slightly underwhelming i think so it needed to have this uh, upping of the dramatic ante just one more time and 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 that's that's really quite terrifying and i think it's because it's because the reality of it it's not it's not a let yeti on your lewin tooting beck it's worse than that it's an abusive father that you're locked in a house with and that's quite actually quite disturbing i wonder if it's too disturbing for such an anodyne story um or or, or 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 a story that isn't quite as tonally consistent as it may be but it's again it's one of those ideas that if you think about and, and it's told so simply and effectively simply and effectively that shadow that light the horrible voice i'm coming to hurt you that's horrible that if you if you you know if you think about if you ponder on it afterwards about what it's saying that a doctor who story actually can't 
depict as strongly as it as it as it would if it wasn't a Doctor Who story. Um, and I like I like this I like them singing the song. I think Nina Sosanya does that that does that really really well. Um, of of how they they see it off by bonding you know bonding as mother and daughter. And it's it's quite a disturbing concept. And again, I think if you you ponder on it afterwards, it's perhaps more disturbing. Although again, I think that light and the voice and the shadow is very very effective. I think it just doesn't quite all hang together, and I'm not entirely sure why. Perhaps I don't know. Um, I I I, I much as I love the storytelling through it being on the telly and the Olympics and the narration, that it I it I, it doesn't quite work. Um, even though you know, yes, it's great fun. That of course he's going to stagger and he's not going to make it. But no, the, actually, the narration is is not great. Does this mean that the Olympic dream is dead? I mean, it, it's very on the nose, which I which I suppose you know, TV sports narration kind of is. But it 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 it, it I it is it's more than a flame now, Bob. It's more than heat and light. It's hope. I mean, this this it's that's really uh, upping the the cheese. I mean, there's a fondue there in the Olympic Stadium. Uh, it, with with Hugh Edwards's narration, which where I can see what they're driving at, but I again I think it's a bit tell tell rather than show. Uh, whereas d d you know David Tennant lighting the Olympic flame, that's great and heroic and lovely, uh, but that actually didn't happen. Uh, we had we had NHS nurses with hospital beds, not uh, not sad play aliens uh, shooting off into space. Um, but I like that, and it sort of summarises what the Olympics was hopefully supposed to, you know, represent. And I'm not, as I say, I'm not a sporty person, but uh, I'm not immune to to a bit of pomp and circumstance and ceremony. Uh, I fall for all of the things that we, you know, people hate Christmas. I like Christmas. People don't like funerals. I like funerals. I find that ceremony that brings us together and, and formalises either joy or grief. I, I find a very useful way of processing emotion in a way that perhaps I... I can't without that f facilitation by yeah by ceremony by protocol by by um, sort of orchestrated social interaction uh, you know as 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 orchestrated societal congregation um, I, yeah I need I need somebody to 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 do all of that in order to allow me access to the the joy or the sadness as required and it's useful they are useful things. Uh, to do um, and of course but they end it on a kind of and I like his I like his thing about the edible ball bearings as well um, I, I I remember first time I saw it uh, thinking an edible ball bearing was just the most amazing thing uh, oh does he say a storm is coming something coming yeah oh the season finale two part of love yeah I mean that's a it's a simple trick isn't it to uh to kind of go, yeah, let's not just end this. And the episode kind of needed that to end on a kind of, you know, uh, oh, yeah, and of course, this is the lead up to, oh, how exciting was this? Uh, to Torchwood, of course, this is the this is the season that's been building up to Torchwood. Yikes, yikes, yikes. Um, 
and what I love that two-parter. I love this whole season actually. Um, and and I probably I wonder if I watched this trailer more than I watched. And there's a look at that. They knew what they were doing. We knew the Daleks were coming back. That was an extermination effect from the episode afterwards. Um, it's amazing how much they're showing. My goodness. Um, Cybermen. Beautiful. Oh, and there's Free Madgerman coming into Doctor Who for an episode and getting killed. Never to return. <laughs> look at that. That was a hell of a long trailer. But uh, anyway, oh, and look, the cast is going up beautifully slowly so you can read it. Oh, Edna Dore hasn't got an accent on her name, which she uh, which she should have in real life. In fact, I, 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 I read an anecdote about her that... Um, uh, she she won an award at something in for something for one of her performances uh, at a French television festival, and she was announced on stage as Edna Dore. <laughs> she said, "You'd have thought in France they pronounced my bloody name right because it does have an accent on the e, so it was Dore, Edna Dore." Anyway, bless her. Um, oh, I miss. I mean, the, even these credits seemed quite fast to me. You have to you have to you have to sort of teach yourself to. To, to digest those uh, and, and, and learn how to, to, to read them. But, I mean, those are positively snail-like compared to uh, the zip past we get these days, which uh, I've done many an angry tract on, so let's not go over that. Again, so I have to choose five favourite things about Fear Her. Um, which I don't think is going to be as difficult as maybe I thought it was. I actually enjoyed that. I think it's... I wouldn't want every Doctor Who story to be like that, but I wouldn't want every Doctor Who story to be like The Caves of Androzani, whereas it, it, it may have been... I remember thinking it was fine when it was first on. And as I say, it had a really enjoyable episode of Doctor Who Confidential for some reason. I can't remember. I just remember... But maybe sometimes you're just in the right mood. Um, um, I, I Yeah, I, I and I think... I think Chloe Webber doesn't quite work, and I don't know if it's the actress's fault. Um, uh, you know, she's having a go with doing the different sort of voices and the, the whispering of the isolus, but it's um, and and it does have a peculiarity that's quite beguiling. But I don't know if it, it's never really scary, um, and certainly that I think Hugh Edwards' uh, spe speeches um, tip over from the. Uh, you know, from the, uh, you know, do documentary style verisimilitude into the slightly um, 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 lament not lamentable and silly. Um, but there's plenty. I like the suburban setting. I like, uh, the, the, you know, that thing of the kids suddenly disappearing. I like the the, 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 car the, the cartoons coming along. It's got plenty that it's uh, Abdul Salis's council joke. It's got plenty that... And again, and again, that is that is before the big, I was going to say bells and whistles again, uh, Dalek Cybermen two-parter that you know is 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 a big headline news to end the series, and 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 you know prior to that you've had, um, you know you've had the the Satan put the Impossible Planet, and then the the strange anomaly that I adore, uh, Love and Monsters. It, I, I think, you know, Fear Her gets a bit lost in that, and probably not unfairly. Um, but that said, because Doctor Who exists as a great, big, glorious mosaic, I do not object to its exi exi its existence. And there will probably be an afternoon where I decide, oh, I'll pop that on and quite enjoy it. And in fact, 
having done this commentary on it now, I thought, oh, I wish on some of my rewatches where I will, to be perfectly honest with you, quite often I would skip it. Um, I might go actually give it a. It's it's like a nice little break, you know, before the, the before the final sprint with the you know with the big battles and the big heart wrenching emotion and all of that. And of course, those seasons were, were were planned and structured rather, you know, meticulously. And uh, and actually, you'd soon get bored if it was all big action adventure or big, you know, spooky, high octane stuff. You need you need the ebb and the flow, and uh, uh, and and yeah, that uh, does that mean that was ebb or flow? Anyway, listen, what are my five favourite things? Well, I certainly like the TARDIS <laughs> materialising the wrong way round, and and actually, it's a smarter effect as well. It's it's got because it's got the moving train and everything, and because it doesn't need to be there. And they go, well, let's make the effort to do this that that you know that that has no impact on the story at all, but it's a nice little bit of colour and texture, and it's a funny gag. Um, I like the moving drawings. I think, I, one, I think the idea of it being cad, kids trapped in a drawing is a really scary idea um, that, again, perhaps doesn't quite work as well as it might in execution, and I'm not entirely sure why, but the novelty of seeing a child's drawing start moving and you know you've just seen that child keeping in goals in his front garden and he's just disappeared i think is i think is lovely lovely uh, i think that really does work very effectively and is is suitably different so that 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 yeah i'll i'll have that that moving child's drawing but i'll tie that in with the with the whole of that sort of pre-credit sequence which i think is 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 a spooky and novel way to start a doctor who Although in keeping with the, you know, you set up a mystery and have a shock moment. Um, I like the Scribble Monster. It's only an incidental threat, but it is, uh, you know, it's one of those. One, I love it when Doctor Who goes, what's a thing that we know is a thing? Oh, yeah, scribble on a bit of paper, a little bit of a doodle. I'm going to make that my monster, <laughs> you know, my my uh, graphite cloud of death, my uh, my my lead nasher of uh, <laughs> of, uh, of, uh, of of danger. Um, and the fact that you can rub it out, <laughs> which I love. And it's a neat effect and it has the POV shot as well. But it's taking an everyday thing and turning it into something, turning it on its head, making it offbeat. That's, what, that's how that Doctor Who works really well. Yeti on your loo and tooting back, uh, drawing on your suburban street in Dame Kelly, Kelly Holmes Close. So I like the Scribble Monster as an idea and in execution. I'm I like Abdul I like the council joke. I'm sorry, but I do. It's a nice little note for a character. Doctor Who is better when its supporting characters uh are memorable and fun and he's both of those things. And he, you know, he he he, he works it, it well into the drama because he's got the whole thing about he's laying his tarmac and he's just finished laying his tarmac and oh we need a heat source. Mm, there we go. Uh, so that all works quite nicely. And I think the last thing, which doesn't necessarily work as well as it might, but I do I do like the concept of an alien who poses a threat because it is lonely and it needs love and it needs companionship because loneliness and a lack of love are terrible, terrible things. And we don't often talk about how terrible those things are. 
and we often have to just cope with them. And I like Doctor Who going, well, l- let let's have a let's have an, a a manifestation of those terrible things that we don't really talk about and you can't really address. Uh, certainly really in a Doctor Who story because it's not that kind of show but if I can manifest it as 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 part of the makeup of the alien threat that means I can explore those issues and you know you've got a single mum there and a kid and a, the spectre of this you know this dad whatever he was whatever he did that's only alluded to which is quite adult um, but the idea that but but you know the scary dad I think is a is a is a cracking idea. Um, again, maybe works. Maybe because they can't be too blatant about it. This, that's one of the another bits that where the jigsaw doesn't quite fit together. I'm trying to account for why this isn't as loved as perhaps it might be, and and I have to be honest too. Although as I say, I perfectly enjoyed that. I thought it was. I thought it was good. I thought it was really good. As I say, even even um, you know the non-headline stories in this period of Doctor Who are to me still in the upper echelons. Of, of Doctor Who because they're so well done they're so well thought through they're so well paced um, you, you know the, the, the anti-ups all of the time um, just when you think you know where a story's going it brings something else in from left field uh, even the incidental scenes have a, a little grace note or a little character note or a little something between the regulars or a little something given to one of the guest cast to, to, to keep you interested and to keep it quirky and to keep the dynamic good um, so all of that but I th- so I've, I've sort of got away from my original point. I think for my thing number five, it, it, it is that idea that let's do a, an alien menace that is a menace because of things that we identify with that, that aren't often treated as malignancies, if you like, in television drama and certainly not in Doctor Who, but that are real life things that we've all put up with to, at various different times and have actually more power over us than we would we would often like to admit and that is loneliness uh and that is feeling unloved or needed needing somebody to love um and i i i applaud them for trying to tell a an, an alien invasion story using using those as the that as the platform as i say it doesn't quite work maybe in in the way that you have to give sort of chloe webber her her whiskered whispered monologue about it and 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 the over mention of i think love in 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 in, in it is a, is a little bit on the nose and 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 doesn't sit easily within uk drama i guess uh but i i applaud them for having a go and i like the idea behind it so what have i done i've gone oh and i like the marmalade did i say the marmalade did i say the marmalade hang on what is that i said the landing I said the moving, I said the moving, uh, the moving cartoon, the landing, the moving cartoon, the council joke, the scribble monster. Oh, I've got to have the marmalade. So because the the love thing and the loneliness thing, but I think that's I think that's the most intelligent point I've made for the whole thing. But. <laughs> But but can I turn my back on that for the marmalade? Having I thought actually hit upon quite an interesting uh, thing to uh, uh, you know to provoke a discourse on about loneliness and love. Oh well, who do I? What would I lose for the? What would I lose for the? 
for the marmalade. Because I do like the marmalade. Oh, I've got six favourite things about fear her. Who'd have thunk it? Um, and, you know, that takes away. I love the, the red light in the wardrobe and I love that. And as I've talked about how, you know, scary things in wardrobes is a very sort of primal moffat childhood fear to, to be thinking of. Uh, you know, I love that. I, I, I like I like the cast of sort of unobtrusively just good people. Um, I like the suburban setting. Uh, you know, I, I, I like the, the disappearing Olympic crowd. So there's there's so much stuff there. But do I, um, so I like more than, but I've, I've actually chosen six things. So I'm going to have to lose one. Opening gag, which is very funny, which is great. That is great. Cartoon. But I do like that because, it, because it's different. But do I love, do I love it? I do because it's, because it's not something that Doctor Who usually does. And, I, and yet it fits in exactly with the sort of thing that Doctor Who should be doing. I like the Scribble Monster. I do like the Scribble Monster. It's a sort of incidental threat that is, you know, pure 100% proof Doctor Who. I like the council joke. I like... Maybe I just like the fact that the uh, the love and the loneliness manifesting the alien threat makes me makes me feel good for having said all of that stuff. As As a viewer, that aspect of it, I think, is not perhaps as potent as I intellectualised it as being. So, yeah, I'm going to drop the the love and the loneliness bit, though I did enjoy talking about it, uh, and I'm going to replace it with a, marm- with a man sticking his fingers into a jar of marmalade because that's the kind of intellectual I am. So those are my five favourite things about Fear Her. Mark Campbell, who's written... Uh, a guide to Doctor Who that has been published several times in several different uh, forms. Uh, uh, as I said, I got it when it was a, a pocket essential, uh, but uh, but but it's on as it's on Amazon, the, the essential Doctor Who guide. Uh, Mark Campbell. Uh, it's 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 just a great sort of dip in and out. Um, you know, everything you know. And in fact, when it was first written. When I first had it, it was before the series had come back, so I've I've got it about three times I think because then he you know he it was re-released and because um, the Pocket Essentials were a series that did lots of you know lots of different things, but I got I got the Doctor Who one, um, but this was before before the series had come back, so then he re-released it um, with you know updating it with with the new series episodes, so I th- I think I have got the book about three times. <laughs> anyway. Um, so Mark is going to give us his five favourite things about fear. Let's see if I concur. Well, I hope you enjoyed that, Toby. Um, the first thing I liked about it was the TARDIS landing the wrong way round. I thought that was a lovely little throwaway gag. It was sort of done in ghostlight, wasn't it? But <laughs> rather subtly. And I'd love to know whether they found those two... Um, metal box is exactly the right distance apart where they had to put them the right distance apart because it's perfect so I just like that because it's a nice little throwaway gag oh one to me God, that's a great start isn't it it had to be that it's such a great moment I, I, it's really sad that you can't see this because it is a sunny day just like it is in the episode and Mark is walking round uh, a sort of suburban coast very like the one in the story so he's got to great effort there I'm sorry that you can't see it uh no, so right, one to me. What's number two? 
The second thing I liked about Fear Her is the Scribble Monster. I just think that's such a, a kind of silly, uniquely Doctor Who thing. Um, and I think it's just uh, very effective and very simple. Must have been quite cheap to do, I guess. But I think it's a bit of fun, especially when the Doctor erases it in the TARDIS. I just think that's, uh, it doesn't make sense, but I think it's quite, uh, quite cute, really. And I think it is the erasure of it, which is such a beautiful... And again, it looks... But some of those effects that look simple are actually probably quite hard. I don't know. But but when an effect looks simple, it it makes you think it's real because you go, oh, that looks, looks quite simple because I'm totally convinced there because it, it doesn't look like it's been hard won, which actually means it's it's a it's a really well-rendered effect. And the, and, and, the, and the rubbing out, I think, is is glorious. And, and it's a lovely and very Doctor Who. And what's exciting here, ladies and gentlemen and everybody else, uh, is that we've done two and I've got two. So I only need another one thing, the same as Mark. And I've won. And oddly, now let's not get ahead of ourselves. Oh, I, don't, I still haven't got to the Olympic flame yet. I could easily stumble. Um the one story that I have one with is Love and Monsters, which is the story directly before this in transmission. And this is interesting because when I when I do it with episodes, you know, I do the favourite thing at the end of a classic series. I, I, I sort of keep a running tally because at the end of episode two, I know whether I'm, you know, even Stevens or whether I'm... Uh, you know, miles behind. And I think that sometimes affects my performance, that if I'm close, I'll then overthink it and screw it up and choose the wrong thing and snatch defeat from the jaws of victory, which I certainly think I did with uh, uh, the, the, the cave the cave people story with Jim Sankster. And I've done it a couple of times. So this is interesting because I'm going into this blind because I choose all five before I lis listen to any of what my guest does on the on the on the new series stories. Um, and let's not get ahead of us. He's now going to choose three completely different things. He's going to choose Shane Ward, edible ball bearings, and uh, Bob disappearing. You, you watch. Uh, the third thing I like about Fear Her um, is the scary father in the cupboard. Uh, I think that's very clever, having him say, or disturbing, really, having him say, um, Chloe, I'm coming to hurt you. I mean, that's just nasty, isn't it? Um, I don't know if it carried some kind of... Um, if you've been affected by the issues in this programme warning at the end of it, I don't know. But also, it's in a kind of dark riff on... Uh, Christopher Eccleston saying, Rose, I'm coming to get you at the end of um, Bad Wolf. Um, and I think it's very, very clever. Again, cheap, but clever the way you don't really see him. It's just all done with shadows and lights and sound effects and then having them sing that kookaburra song to well just sort of um instead of saying i deny this reality um just sort of sing that to give them strength to realize it's it's not real i think it's um a, a lovely little moment yeah well put mark and and absolutely right um and i think i remember it not 
not quite landing with me at the time in a way that I think it did particularly this time watching it when a, it, it is remarkably strong the the, 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 the spectre of that father and it's remarkably grown up for Doctor Who and of course they have to they have to allude to a lot of it but but what it's saying is 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 extremely grown up and ex, and extremely disturbing and yes anything with Doctor Who that does what it does that 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 causes fright or creates adventure through you know simple means and i don't mean i'm not this is not to undermine it but what i'm saying is economical means uh, a shadow lights a voice uh, i love it when doctor who does that i you know i was never impressed with big horror films that had sort of gore and vicious you know dripping moors and you know um uh, you know, totally mobile animatronic aliens, because because I know it's been made, and 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 and, I, and I'm sure that, you know that a lot of those things are. Well, I know they have great ingenuity and creativity, but but also you know have lots of money thrown at them. And of course, everything is relative, and and all of those people probably had to make compromises and use their own ingenuity. But I'm talking about the ingenuity on Doctor Who's terms, especially with what it is in competition with. In a way, uh, it, it so often comes up with the goods with suggestion and intelligent application of some of the sort of humblest ingredients and i i love it when it does that because it's a testament to imagination in the face of limitation and that to me is a great human characteristic and it's a great characteristic of creative endeavor so yeah lovely um and and in another story i might have chosen the dad but i i was spoilt for choice with this which is a a testament to fear her and now i can see fear, feel victory falling through my fingers but i also i, I hadn't really thought of the the the, the echo of um of of Eccleston's r refrain in uh, in series one. That's a that's a that's an interesting parallel to draw. Well put, Mark. Thank you. I love that bit where the Doctor says, "If living things can become drawings, then drawings can become living things." I think that's just a lovely, uh, creepy line. He says, and of course, that's a bone of contention, isn't it? Fear her. People say oh, it's very um, derivative of of oh, a film called. Paper House, which I think is based on Marianne Dreams, but there are lots of other stories. Go, they go right back where pictures or photographs have come to life. I mean, M.R. James, the mezzo tint, is a famous one where uh, a painting of, of I think it's actually a hospital. Um, there's a figure in the front crawling, and every time you look at it, the figure has crawled closer to the edge of the picture. I mean, in, I'm sure there are lots of examples before that. I think it's a lovely, clever idea having the children appearing as drawings and then the, the way they're sort of animated in a very kind of rudimentary fashion again I think really really suits the story and I think it's uh, again sort of only in Doctor Who if you like ah and, and I hadn't picked up on that line this time around and I don't I don't um, I, and I don't know of that movie that Mark is referring to so that's you know that's something for me to educate myself with uh, but certainly the principle that just because Doctor Who echoes something that has been done elsewhere. Well, some of my favourite Doctor Who's echo something that has been done elsewhere. And sometimes I think Robert Holmes would sort of gleefully admit to, you, you know, borrowing wholesale. And sometimes it's just because there's something in the air. I know as a comedian, you know, whenever an event happens, you know, 10 different comedians will independently think up the same joke. But that's because, you know, there there is a fi there are a finite number of things to do, which is why... In many ways, I applaud Fear Her for, within Doctor Who's format, trying 
to do something that is different on so many levels. The 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 living pictures thing, yes, that is a thing. The mezzo tint is a is a very spooky story. And in fact, between Mark recording this, I think, and me doing this, because a lot of these have been hanging around in my archive for a while, there's been a BBC version of the mezzo tint that, that Mark Gatiss did. Um, but Sapphire and Steel has a picture story as well, doesn't it? And there is something about pictures which capture a still moment can be quite affecting certainly old photographs i know these aren't photographs they're drawings but drawings in a way because they are they are a parody of human animatedness because they capture a still moment and drawings have an, an added abstraction in that they're drawings they're not photographs they're not you know they're not actual capture of you know still life as it were but still life is even you know not it's not life because it is still which means it is a strange perversion it has it has something slightly you know taken like in 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 a way that we're scared of robots because they they walk and talk like humans but they they lack that humanness the unhappy valley which creates robophobia perhaps we uh, you know the the haunting nature of old photographs where you're looking at a still an, a, a moment of time captured right now and those people since then have lived their life and seen you know seen through their own eyes as you're looking through your eyes now and lived and died and gone and yet there they are in that moment captured forever in time is a thoughtful and spooky and and unnerving and yet strangely celebratory thing about about you know the the rather profound idea that you can capture a, a moment of humanity and yet it's not you can't quite replicate humanity because humanity is impossible to replicate because we have some kind of x factor that stops us being able to be sort of created from scratch that spark of life uh but that also means that having gone to being too nil up i'm now to all and it's all to play for with the final choice of Mark Campbell. Um, my last point, the fifth thing I really like about Fear Her, um, is, well, I'm going to say it, it's the Doctor carrying the Olympic flame. Now, come on, that is a real hero moment. OK, in real life, um, he would have been shot by snipers. <laughs> you know, but this is Doctor Who. And I just think it's a, a lovely feel-good moment. And... Um, why not? Oh, you know what? He said, my favourite moment is the doctor, and I was going to go, sticking two fingers in a jar of marmalade. I do think it's a great hero moment, and I think David Tennant is great at those hero moments. Uh, and, and I thought it, and it absolutely had to happen. You had to have that stumble, and, and, and Rose, who's been missing the doctor, see him, uh, you know, uh, uh, not be missing, see him be alive and there to save the day and to light the flame is is a, is a great it's it's brilliantly placed within the drama but i th i think because it comes off the back of the bathos of uh hugh edwards's um apocalyptic uh narration of doom uh which i adore but in the same way that you know i adore certain performances in the horns of Nymon. um uh I think it's slightly compromised by that, and it's not as good as the, as the fingers in the marmalade. But I can see why Mark loved that. Oh, do you know what? Ah, oh, do you know what? When I got those first two, I thought I'm in here, boys. I've I've got this one. 
got this one. It's in the bag. Who'd have thought Fear Her, the most remarkable thing about Fear Her, well, is going to be that I've it enables me to win at Happy Times and Places. Uh, you see, it's not over. You know, you, you, you think you're there and then you stumble and you fall. And if that's not a metaphor for something Olympic, then I don't know what is. You know, Kelly Holmes kept on running. That's why she's a dame. Uh, I, I, you know, I went over the first two hurdles and thought, I've got this, boys. And then uh, then smashed into the next three and uh, came in last. Um, no medals for me. Uh, but there's still a bit left on Mark's video. So let's see what else he has to say as he signs off. Well, I hope um, I hope we agreed on some of those things there, Toby. Thank you very much for having me on. Um, if you want to go to my uh, Bowler or Fez film reviews, uh, which is on uh, YouTube and Insta and Twitter and all that, where I review films and either give it a Bowler if I don't like it or a Fez if I do, or or equally buy one of my books, which. Um, have mixed reviews on Amazon. Anyway, thanks very much. Uh, cheerio. Oh, bless him. And, and he illustrated that by putting on a bowler on a fez. I've really liked Mark's video. I'm sorry that you can't see it. Maybe um, in the future one day when I when I get a bit ahead with the YouTubing business, but I'm more comfortable, I have to say, with this podcasting business. It's, uh, it's a bit easier for me to put together a decent product uh, than the, uh, the painstaking... Uh, YouTube stuff, which I'm, I'm afraid gets a little bit in in the way of uh, of of my day job, which this isn't. This is my hobby, um, but I still try to do it as well as I possibly can, and I hope you enjoy what I produce. But um, uh, yeah, I've had to uh, I've had to diminish my impact on YouTube because I think my res my the, the limited time and resources that I have are, are more productive. Uh, and I have more aptitude for elsewhere, um, but it's, I've saved it all. It's all in an archive, so I do have I do have that poor hard drive that's got loads of different camera angles of me watching Doctor Who. Uh, that maybe one day, um, but I've just realised I haven't actually filmed this particular one, so you will never see this. Uh, but I, it's a shame because I don't want to waste Mark's video. So if I was to put this on YouTube, it would just have to be a series of of telesnaps. <laughs> of of me um, because because I haven't recorded this even though I've actually got quite a natty I got it for Christmas a, a, a hair, quite a hairy uh, cardigan and uh, and and kerchief combo um, that uh, no you'll never see um, so uh, the telesnap guys are going to have to recreate that or, um, or or just shoot me from the neck up um, anyway Marks yeah. I'd forgotten about Bola Hatofez. Um, check that out. Buy his books. Um, God bless him for saying they get mixed reviews on Amazon. Everything gets mixed reviews on on Amazon. Um, if you if you like a Doctor Who guide that you can dip into and you know pick up the salient facts from, and my favourite bits always reading a pithy review and going oh I go with that or oh I wouldn't. Uh, you know, is always a fun way to spend time and it gets you off your screen, doesn't it? Uh, and I certainly spent many a, a happy hour reading and rereading uh, The Pocket Essential when that came out, which I fear was probably before some of you were born. Um, but thanks to Mark, who I think I've only met the once, uh, but uh, I'm grateful to him for going to such an effort. 
uh, with a with a video that will maybe one day see the light of day. I actually really enjoyed Fear Her there, and I would be tempted to watch it for pleasure. And next time I'm I'm going through those those early series where you know I tend to leap to, uh, you know I probably skip past uh, the Idiot's Lantern. I probably skip past Fear Her, uh, and I and and uh, and uh, you know go straight for the for the 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 the, the big headline grabbing uh two parters and of course that very strong opening run I, I i would skip new earth as well um generally and go but i that that that, that opening run of uh, tooth and claw school reunion and uh girl in the fireplace i mean that that to me is a is is as strong a run of doctor who as as you could you know you could hope to get um i love that I love that run. Um, are the three stories in a row that are well? Maybe robots, talons, or a fang rock. That's that. Yeah. Uh, well, I actually I really like Face of Evil, which a lot of people are a bit down on. Um, I think Face of Evil, robots, talons is pretty strong, and Face of Evil is one of the stories that Mark doesn't like uh, in his book, and I remember being furious with him for that. But all is forgiven, and we were so nearly in accord for the majority which would have won me this but i i fell at the final hurdle so a storm wasn't coming i actually got rained on during the parade and my 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 flame went out oh for a doctor to light it again which hopefully he or she will do in the next edition of happy times and places please join me then and there thank you so much for listening to happy times and places which is presented by me, Toby Haydock, and my special guest celebrating Fear Her was Mark Campbell, who can be found on Twitter at bowler underscore or underscore fez. I'm grateful to Mark and to the patrons who make this podcast possible, and they include Tom White, Stephen White, Sidney Wilson, Andrew Wilson, Andrew Willis, Reese Williams, Michael Williams, Rich Wiggins, Adam Westwood, Gary Wales, Apollo C. Vermouth, Sabrina Tirabassi, Damien Timmer, Nick Temple, Neil Tate, Stephen, Tim Smith, David Shepherdson, Graham Slate, Jim Sangster, Mark Sandham, John Rivers, Dylan Reese, Scott Pride, Kevin Parker, Jonathan Potter, Melvin Pena, Dave Owen, Graham Knott, Matthew Newton, Christopher Newman, Nathan Moore, Stuart Mitchell, Ross McPhillips, John McClay, Jason Mayo and David Matthewman. The music is by Dave Gates and the artwork by Dylan Patterson. I very much hope you enjoy these podcasts, and if you do, apparently you can like and subscribe them. Well, no, you can like them and you can subscribe to them. So putting both of those things in one sentence makes it awkward to conclude, as I've just demonstrated. Um, Liking and subscribing is apparently a marvellous thing. I do like getting my algorithms polished, and uh, apparently it's the done thing to do to encourage you to do that polishing, which you can also do by going to iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, and giving these five stars. We're a, we live in a universe of extremes. Only five will do. Uh, and leaving a nice few lines of review to tell passing punters what these podcasts are all about and that you like them. 
uh, it really does help and makes these endeavours worthwhile. If you would like to support beyond that, you can go to patreon.com forward slash Toby Haydoke, where, amongst other things, you can get your name read out on the credits, uh, as some people you'll have heard just have. Uh, they uh, earn that right by subscribing via Patreon and paying from as little as £3 per month. There are higher tiers. The higher you go up, the more often you get your name mentioned. But that's pretty much, I mean, there's the odd badge here or there, but that's pretty much, uh, and the odd uh, a couple of extra access things, but it, it, I mean, it's, uh, that's pretty much it. The lowest tier gets you all of the content. It's a horrible word. Uh, how's your content this today, Toby? full and regular well i don't like it at all uh but uh, uh it's it's the way of things as this is the way of things as well sort of you know whoring myself out for as little as three pounds a month but um uh, you know i'm a self-employed creative person uh and uh, it's what we have to do stop being apologetic about it toby very rich and famous people do it you can all right, I am. This is it. And uh, now my internal monologue has escaped outwards. Anyway, £3 per month uh, gets you bonus releases, advanced releases, happy times and places. It's a good six months ahead. Uh, and uh, the other two, um, indefinable magic and too much information, are usually a month ahead. Sometimes I get even more ahead than that, and then sometimes I fall behind. It's the nature of these things. Uh, and there are monthly AMAs and uh, you can send me messages, all sorts of other things. It's fun. It's a nice sort of community community place to be where uh, people who enjoy talking about uh, character actors and in the monologues and uh, uh, little trivial things and our experiences as Doctor Who fans can, uh, you know, can can, can pop in and, uh, and join in or not. You can just be a, a silent partner. Anyway, that's patreon.com forward slash Toby Haydock. There's also a Kofi option, kofi.com forward slash Toby Haydock. Social media is the thing as well. If you could tell the world of social media that you like these, it helps. If anybody asks you what Doctor Who podcasts are out there that people should be listening to, if you could say Toby Haydock's time travels, that would be very nice. Uh, they have their own Twitter feed, these podcasts at Haydock Podcasts. Uh, I also have mine. I still try and be uh, positive, but I don't always. I talk about some other things other than Doctor Who. That's more to me than Doctor Who, you know. Uh, <laughs> I mean, not much, but there is. Um, and that's at uh, Toby Haydock, T-O-B-Y-H-A-D-O-K-E. Uh, I also have a Facebook page. I've got, I've got one that's sort of my, me as me, the way I'm put pictures of my kids and stuff like that but I'm uh, well I don't at the moment but I'm I'm turning that into more of a personal thing if you're there for my work and the things that I do and the things that I put out there there's a I mean I don't like the phrase fan page but there's a page I mean it's still me I'm not going to pretend I have people or media managers it just means I I will have two different spaces one for my content and one for my not um you know personal life children you know pictures of you know, my garden whatever uh because i'm told one has to separate those things i wish we could all just be out there anyway it doesn't matter don't 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 rue the uh, particular uh shortcomings of our social media age they're well rehearsed anyway um that's oh i'm on instagram as well which i'm terrible at that's largely pictures of my dog at the moment uh, i need to get better at using instagram i'll probably master it when it goes out of date but, uh, but but I have a bash.
I was very pleasantly surprised doing Fear Her. I'm, I mean, I do feel bad that Mark did that lovely video. Um, uh, and uh, But nonetheless, I thought there was lots to talk about there that was very interesting. Uh, and yeah, what I, I, I love that about Doctor Who because nobody really talks. It's the title. I think the title doesn't quite sit with me as well. Not because it's bad. It's, I think it's because it's unusual. Um, and I'm, I mean, I have to say I'm much more of a attack of the so-and-sos as a title. Uh, those were the ones, you know, because I, I, I was used to being lured into target books that had exciting titles. You know, Doomsday Weapon is much more exciting than Colony in Space. So I, I quite approved of that policy. Um, uh, although, uh, of course, if I if, if had I realised the other way around, I would have been appalled. They've changed the TV title. How dare they? But I was, it, it, it will always be slightly Doctor Who and the Doomsday Weapon to me. Doctor Who and the Cave Monsters. Um isn't it funny? It's it's what your first experience of something is that is the right one, um, because yeah, if the if they now released a target style novelization and dared to call it by a different title from the title of the televised adventure, I would be livid. Um, Doctor Who and the fear her, um, and and I sort of admire it for attempting to do something different. And yet I don't like it. <laughs> is, that, is that, am I allowed to do that? You can sort of go, I appreciate the thought processes behind it. I actually quite like the feel and the sound of it because I can't quite get to grips with it. Because it's a, what, fear her, that's really unusual. Could they just have called it Attack of the Scribbles? <laughs> you know, the graphite of death. Um, uh, the, the, the torch, the torch of love of death. <laughs> um, invasion of the torch of hope. Um, Doctor Who and the Not You Too Bob. <laughs> um, um, <laughs> sorry, um, I do love Not You Too Bob, and I do. I have to say, I've been thinking about it since I recorded that. That, that. that bit, there's there aren't. I don't think there are many bits in modern Doctor Who that are. You know, in old in old Doctor Who, where sometimes because of the multi-camera nature, you know, people have to bide their time before something kicks in. Or quite often happens, doesn't it, when canine zaps somebody and everybody has to wait because nothing's been quite timed right and it's all been done live, and then they've, you know, they've had to put the beam in afterwards and they it, it doesn't all quite match up and everyone has to sort of just sort of hang about, sort of not acting too much so it's distracting, but also not doing nothing so it's a pause. And I do feel that bit where Rose runs in and. Uh, is it Trish is is downstairs having come downstairs you know leaving her vulnerable uh, alien adult daughter upstairs and Rose sort of goes why are you doing this at this key moment in the drama and she she does sort of stand there going I haven't been given any lines at this point but also there's nothing I can do that can adequately explain this not particularly convincing oversight on my part within the drama um but we've just got we're just going to have to ride this out <laughs> and, uh, and i uh, uh, you know as i say i think modern doctor who is remarkably free of such moments so um it's almost comforting in a way to go yeah you, you know we, with all our modern uh, bells and whistles uh, we 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 can still have those slightly shonky moments um but i mean you know as i say largely i'm a great fan of doctor who i'll tell you what i'm not a great fan of and this is going to be confession time and i'm very pleased with mark's contribution to this project but i always do a shout out for somebody's twitter and mark's twitter because of his film reviews is at what is it at uh bowler underscore or underscore fez and do you know what i don't like i don't like any email addresses either i'm not a fan of the underscore i think it's a confusing 
piece of punctuation, especially to have in something as key as a Twitter feed or, or where I first encountered its overuse uh, in people's email addresses, especially as when I was uh, started the membership scheme, my comedy club, which I used to do the door at as well as MC, as well as, I mean, I'd make the posters, I did everything. Uh, and, and when we did this membership thing, which was to prioritise people who, who were regulars, um, I got people to write, uh, but it was a way of building up a mailing list as well. I'd get people to write their email addresses down. But if you write your email address down, handwritten, an underscore and a dash are fairly interchangeable. And there aren't many other pieces of punctuation used in email addresses. You know, the, the at, that at thing doesn't look like an ampersand or anything else. It, it is very much its own thing. You can't misinterpret it as something else. An underscore you know, just just waywardly uh, hovering or dipping or, or a dash just slightly dipping. One can be mistaken for the other. And you have to kind of, when, you, when you're sort of typing in email addresses or something, you have to commit. And, you, and if you're not sure, you feel a bit wrong and a bit dirty kind of going, oh, well, I've, I've gone for the underscore and it might be a dash. And, you, you know, and it's, I mean, it just, it discombobulates me and I don't like it. And I find the overuse of underscores, uh, actually one of the worst things about modern life i don't like it i'm always slightly disappointed in somebody when they give me their address and it's got an underscore in it use anything else a number uh, just a silly word i, I just don't like underscores i f i fear them <laughs> So sorry about that. So yeah, if so, if if my mate, uh, <laughs> if my mate <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, says my email address is Bob underscore Anderson underscore sausage two thousand, I'll go oh, uh, two underscores, not you two, Bob.